Good evening. Good to see all of you with us and glad you're here. Our lesson for tonight is entitled Reassurance from a Patient God. One of the things that we learn throughout Scripture and throughout the Bible and in our studies and in our reading is that God is very patient with His people. Now, there are times where God has to act and and there are times where His people suffer the consequences of their actions when they do the wrong things. But overall, we learn that God is a patient God. So we're going to look tonight at a few passages and a few people that we find that God was very patient with and some of the things that we can learn from His patience. We do understand that God is patient and has shown Himself to be so many times over. In addition to being patient, God shows Himself to be reassuring as well. All followers should be comforted in knowing that God has control in our lives. Our lesson objectives for tonight are to, first of all, be comforted by God's reassurances. And secondly, to learn more about God's patience with man. We look first and primarily throughout this lesson at God's patience revealed. God's patience revealed. I want us first to look at the life of a man by the name of Abraham. We understand Abraham to be a man of great faith. We understand him to be the father of faith, if you will, in some ways as he was the first one to really show great faith, or one of the first anyway. Noah also showed great faith and, and others as well, but, but Abraham was one of the primary examples that we have of faithfulness to God. One of the things that we see about Abraham's life is that he does trust God on many occasions. And one of those is in the promise of the birth of a son. It took some time. And as a matter of fact, there was a time when Sarah and Abraham tried to, to go ahead with God's plans to help them along a little bit. And it didn't work out so well. But God promised them the birth of a son even in their old age. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis 18. Let's begin reading verse 1. Genesis 18, verse 1. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre. And as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day, so he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the ground, and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight. Do not pass on by your servant. Please, let a little water be brought and wash your feet. And rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that you may pass by. Inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, 
took a tender and good cat, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the trees as they ate. And they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, verse 10, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Surely I shall I surely bear a child since I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. Now, if you were to tell somebody something, and they were to laugh at you, you probably would be inclined to turn away from them to do the opposite of what you told them because they lie. I don't particularly appreciate it if somebody laughs at me for something I'm trying to be serious about. But Sarah laughed within herself at the thought of even bearing a child. And despite the doubt that was shown and Sarah and I think Abraham too God did bless them with a son. He didn't turn away from his promise. He was patient with them. And that wasn't the only occasion where God's patience is showed in the life of, of Abraham. But also in trying to save Sodom, we see that God was patient with Abraham. Abraham questioned God several times, asking him for how many souls he would save Sodom. And finally, in Genesis 18, verse 32, says, Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak, but once more, suppose ten should be found there. He said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. We find that there were less than ten because he did destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham tried. God was patient with him. And he tried to save those lives of people. Abraham later proved his faithfulness to God and his willingness to sacrifice his son. Even before that, he showed faithfulness to God in leaving his home as God had told him to do. But there were many occasions where God was patient with his servant, Abraham. Let's move on to the life of Gideon. This is another very interesting story that we read of, of God's patience with one of his people. In Judges chapter 6, Judges 6, and beginning with verse 11, we read this. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah. 
which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. It's one of my favorite lines in Scripture. Gideon did not yet know that he was a mighty man of valor. And here God is telling him, You are a mighty man of valor. Verse 13. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? There's great doubt on the part of Gideon, and yet God has told him twice now, You are a mighty man of valor. Go in this might of yours. God's very reassuring with Gideon, is he not? Verse 15, so he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. The Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that is in you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. After destroying the altar of Baal, Gideon asked for a sign using a fleece. In Judges 6, beginning with verse 36 and reading through verse 40, so Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand. As you have said. And it was so. When he rose early in the next morning, and squeezed the fleece together. He wrung the dew out of the fleece. A bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only. There was dew on all the ground. Gideon was not quite sure, even after God told him, You are a mighty man of valor. And even after he told him, Go in this might of yours, he wasn't fully convinced that God was going to save his people through the hand of Gideon. God could have done any number of things to Gideon for his doubt, but he was patient with him. And he did those things that Gideon asked of him to show him that he would lead his people. And that wasn't the only instance. We see that later 
God had to be patient with Gideon and forming his army. After dwindling Gideon's army to just 300 men. 300 men. We read this in Judges 7, beginning with verse 9. Judges 7, verse 9. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. And it appears here that he was doubtful. He was unsure. He was afraid because we read next that he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And yet God was still faithful to his patience with Gideon. Verse 12, Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, the Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. Verse 13, And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. And his companion answered him and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the three hundred men into three companies. And he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the, to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you shall also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Verse 19. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon! And every man stood in his place all around the camp. The whole army ran and cried out and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets. The Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acacia toward Zerera, as far as the border of Abel Maholah by Tabah. Gideon tested God on numerous occasions, but God was patient. God performed through Gideon just what he said he would do. He allowed his people to defeat these Midianites. That outnumbered them by a great many. And he allowed them to defeat them with only 300 men. 
We also see patience in the life of Peter. We're going to study Peter's life in the coming weeks on Wednesday nights, Lord willing. But there are numerous occasions where we see God's patience with this man by the name of Peter. In Matthew chapter 14, we see it in his walking on the water. Jesus walked to the disciples on the water. Peter saw it. Let me come to you. Jesus said, come. Peter started out. He started walking on the water. But his faith grew weak. And he started to sink. And Jesus pulled him back out. Picked him up and Gave him a new start. In Mark chapter 14 and in John chapter 18, we see it in Peter's denying of Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. He denied his Lord. Now, I believe that, that Peter really, he, he really held that against himself for a long time. Maybe all of his life. But he denied his Lord. And yet, we see God's patience in his life. Peter goes on to, to preach the, the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And in regard to preaching to the Gentiles, we read this in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. We see, in some ways similar to what we, we see in Gideon, Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. The voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven. Again, God had to convince Peter that preaching to the Gentiles was what he wanted. Peter was unsure of the message. But yet God was patient with Peter on many occasions. And this is just one of them. There are other examples that I can think of, and, and especially in calling Moses to leadership. How many times did it take to... For God to convince Moses that you're going to lead my people out of bondage. Moses had all kinds of excuses, but God was patient with him. And Moses did lead those people, just as God said. In healing Naaman of his leprosy, Naaman was, was hesitant to go down to the Jordan River. He wanted to go somewhere else. But God was patient. And he still healed Naaman of his leprosy. Once he had obeyed God's command, he was patient with all of these men, with so many others throughout Scripture. To close our lesson tonight, I want to notice God's patience 
revealed in us. God's patience revealed in us. I'm sure that in looking at some of the people that we've looked at tonight that we could easily compare ourselves with them and identify with them in many respects. There are so many people, myself included, that identify very well with Peter because we see so many of his mistakes and yet we see the greatness of his leadership later on. We see him grow and, and, and mature in so many ways in his relationship with God. You may see it in, in Gideon or Abraham. Maybe we're unsure of ourselves. Maybe we're unsure of God's power. Maybe we, we question Him on occasion. Wondering how His will is going to be, be performed in our lives. But God is patient with His people. One of the ways in which we see God's patience revealed in us, in our lives, in our existence, is in the sending of His Son to die for us. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. We have to realize that we are sinful creatures. We have transgressed God's command, and because we have transgressed God's command, we deserve to die, but God saw our need. And He loved us to the point that He gave His only begotten Son to die for us so that we might be cleansed. Those who believe and obey might be cleansed from their sins and seen as righteous in God's sight. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, and these are verses I use a lot in sermons because they're so important to us as Christians. But 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Jesus will come. The world will be destroyed. God is not slack concerning that promise. Even though Jesus hasn't come yet, He is coming. And we can be assured of that. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What does long-suffering mean? Suffering long. Patience. God suffers long with us. Even though we transgress His commands. Even though we still, even though we have obeyed the gospel, we still make mistakes even to this day. God is still patient with us. He is long-suffering with us. He is unwilling that we perish. And so He sent His Son to die for us. in hopes that all would come to repentance. He knows that many will not. But some will. And for those few, He sent His Son to die for us. God is patient with His people. 
in pardoning our sins and offering to us grace. We read this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Him. In Him we have redemption through His blood in Christ. We are redeemed. Through His blood we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We deserve justice. And justice says that we deserve to die for our sins. Instead, we are granted mercy. He does not exact upon us what we deserve. But He does us one better in offering us grace and giving us so much more than we deserve. And in His grace, in the grace of God, His amazing grace, we see His patience for His people. And in offering us eternal life, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Could have just stopped there. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the sending of His Son... And the offering of His grace. The gift of eternal life that we have through Christ. God shows His patience with His people. God is patient with us. Even though we have done wrong. Even though we have done things that, that we deserve to die for. God is still patient with His people. But will His patience last forever? There will come a time when God's promise will be fulfilled. When Christ will return to bring His own back. Those who have been faithful Those who have been obedient will receive eternal life. But we also understand that on that day there will be a separation. A separation of the sheep from the goats as we read in Matthew chapter 25. 
those who have not been faithful, those who have not been obedient, those who have refused to do God's will be parted from us. Even those that we love and care for deeply will be parted from us based on the way that they have lived their lives. It's going to be a great day. We're going to sing a song in a moment. There's a great day coming. Sometimes we don't do this song justice. And Hugh, I think we need to sing all three verses on this one. I think you will. But it's a great day. It's going to be a great day for all people. Great in magnitude. The greatest day that we've ever seen. It's going to be a bright day. It's going to be a very good day. A very happy day for so many people who have lived faithfully because in eternity we get to be with our Lord. Never more to depart from Him. To always be with Him. Praising Him. Singing over and over again, holy, holy, holy. It's going to be a bright day, a very good day. But it's going to be a very sad day as well. A very sad day for those who have not been faithful. For those who have refused Him. For those who are parted from us. Never to return. What day will it be for you? A bright day or a sad day? It's your choice. God is patient with us. He's been patient up to this point. And if you've not been faithful, He is patient with you now in giving you an opportunity to repent or to obey whichever your need is. But if you're not a Christian or if you're not a faithful Christian, and we give you the opportunity. This is the Lord's invitation. This is your opportunity to come to Him if you need. We stand ready to assist you as we stand and as we sing.